We are called to live faithfully for Jesus 168 hours a week. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast with Brandon and Chris. Welcome to the Faith 168 Podcast. My name is Chris and I'm excited to record another episode, especially since we made it a whole nother week and, and we're still recording the Faith 168 Podcast, even though the whole world was supposed to end last week. But I praise <laughs> God, whether it ended last week, I would have praised him then, but I yeah. praise God that we get to continue on because to live is Christ and to die is gain. So as long as Jesus doesn't come back and as long as I have breath in my lungs, I'm excited to continue to praise God, to share his word, and to record another episode of the Faith 168 podcast. And I am here with our co-host, Brother Brandon. Unfortunately, Brother Rob could not be with us tonight, but Brother Brandon, always a pleasure to record an episode with you. How are you doing, my brother? Oh, doing well, man, and the feeling is mutual. Uh, one of these days, we'll get the whole trio back together, but uh, yeah. we'll just we'll have to see how it works out, but it's good to be back. Right. Well, well, I'm glad to record another episode, and we're jumping back into the book of Revelation, uh, talking about the seven letters to the seven churches. And so, Brandon, just tell us about the church we're, we're going to be looking at tonight. Yeah, absolutely. So... Many of our listeners will remember that Brother Rob and I covered the church in Pergamum, which Jesus talks about in Revelation 2, verses 12 through 17. And the issue there was they were compromising. They were sort of holding hands with the world and not standing on biblical truth. And the next church that we're going to talk about is the church located in the ancient city of Thyatira, and the reason I mentioned the one in Pergamum is because they sort of were facing a similar problem. Right. They weren't really, you know, compromising in the same sense that the Pergamites were, but they were compromising in their own way. In fact, what we could call this church, broadly speaking, is the tolerant church. Mm -hmm. They were putting up with false teaching. But worse than that, they were putting up with false living. They were mm -hmm. putting up with sin and just tolerating it, letting it continue without confronting it in their own lives and lovingly confronting it in the lives of their congregation. So by all accounts, the church in Thyatira is what we could call the tolerant church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that doesn't necessarily, as you said, isn't necessarily a great thing is, is there are many types of tolerance. And, and so, yeah. uh, you know, let's, let's look at this as we read through it, the way we've been looking at everything to these seven churches that these letters were written to through an individual lens, a local body lens, and then the global body. And, and so let's just start out, if you will, brother Brandon with verse 18. Yeah, Absolutely. Verse 18 starts out, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those self-introductions and self-descriptions from Jesus that uh, is not very nice. You know, I mean, it that right. doesn't give a, a very pleasant um, yeah. impression, you know. 
I'm the son of God. My eyes are like fire and my feet are like strong burnished bronze. You know, Uh, you don't get the impression that Christ is going to say very many nice things to this church, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, well, you think about that too. Like uh, when, when someone's upset, if you're reading a book or something or someone's explaining how someone was upset with them. One of the, one of the things that we would say is ah, I could see the fire in their eyes. Yeah. And, right. And, uh, so, so that's what I'm kind of seeing right here is, you know, these things as the son of God who has eyes like a, a flame of fire, uh, meaning that they're burning, burning with yeah. the truth because he sees the lies and, and the corruption, and yeah. the spiritual adultery, even, uh, that's, that's going on. And yeah. he's not going to put up with it. Uh, in fact, I told my wife tonight, uh, before I left, I looked at some of the trim in our house and I said, Hey, since we have all this white and we're painting the doors black, maybe I should just paint the trim black too. Would that look cool? And she had flame <laughs> in her eyes. And, uh, <laughs> and then I knew immediately to drop it in that, the trim will stay white. So yeah, yeah, probably a good decision, you know. Right. Yeah. She might hit you with something bronze. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think um, basically, you know, at the very outset, what this is conveying is that Christ is angry, mm-hmm. and and that's something you know we need to reckon with very often um, when we think about Christ. We we do typically think of him as being you know gentle and lowly. And that's true. He was, you know, he was so gentle that, you know, he he healed people with great compassion. Uh, he fed the hungry and he held little children in his arms. And so mm-hmm. by all accounts, Christ was meek and mild, as he tells us in the Gospel of Matthew. But that doesn't mean Christ doesn't also get angry because the reality is he is God. And because he is God, he is holy. And because he is holy, he detests that which is unholy. And so Christ is already conveying to this church that he is not pleased with their conduct. He's not very happy with them. But mm-hmm. I think another thing maybe being conveyed here by this metaphor of his eyes being a flame of fire is that he can see through like all hypocrisy, you know, and right. all masks and all coverings like his sight is penetrating like that, like it burns through all those things that we might try to put up to try to hide ourselves from his sight. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it kind of reminds me of Hebrews 4.13, where the writer says that no creature is hidden from his sight, but mm-hmm. all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him yeah. to whom we must give an account. And yeah. so, you know, certainly this is a warning to this church at Thyatira and any believer who is unfortunately guilty of this tolerance. Christ sees it and he is able to see through any sort of like paper mask of self-righteousness we might try to put up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and two is, as we look at this introduction to his letter to Thyatira, Jesus he represents himself and introduces himself in a very certain way concerning the problems facing each church. Exactly. And I think it's important to note how he addresses himself in this portion as the son of God. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, we, we read through scripture and there's times where he talks about himself being the son of man. There's times right. where he talks about himself being the son of God. And a very important thing to understand that is in, in that is that when he refers to himself as the son of man, he's connecting to us. Yes, that's good to, point. And the fact that he's in the flesh, that he's walking beside us as a brother. But when he refers to himself as the son of God, he's he's really stepping into that that godly role yeah. of of you know being just and and righteous and uh being the judge overall and you know that's that's what we read you know like when you read John 5:22 that he is the judge that Jesus is the judge where it says right. the father judges no one but has committed all judgment to the son and so he's reminding Thyatira right here not only do I have some anger in my eyes and, and his feet like uh, burnished brass right there, um, thinking of the fact that he stands solid where he yeah. is. You right. know, he's he's immovable. He, exactly. He's not changing his stance. He sees what's going on and he's not there to really relate to them in their wickedness. He's mm-hmm. there to, to judge uh, the wickedness. And so right. I think it's important to know that, that Jesus is the judge and he's going to judge all corruption. Uh, and if we are his people and we are not walking in his ways, he is going to look at us with those eyes of fire and those yeah. stand there firmly with those feet of, of mm-hmm. bronze and not, he's not going to move. He's not going to act like things aren't going on and he's not going to be tolerant in the way that Thyatira is here. Right. And and, and so like Thyatira, what's interesting about this area at this time was that they were a big guild city, Mm -hmm. right? There, there was a lot of work that was being done there. and, And a lot of the guilds were actually, you know, given over to, to false gods and and they were uh you know represented false gods even you could walk into a guild and this was a guild that was you know given to this false god of of this type of labor and this type mm-hmm. of work and whatnot and so it, it created this environment where if you wanted to be financially successful in whatever business you were doing you almost had to kind of get into this idol worship yeah. uh sure. and there was there was a big big push for that and so they were being tolerant of all these false idols and this idol worship and and probably even dabbling in it in some areas for for themselves to to be successful and here jesus is saying you may be tolerant of all of this in the sense that you'll turn a blind eye to it but i'm not going to i see it my eyes are aflame and i ain't moving on this topic guys Mm -hmm. You're the ones that need to change. I'm not changing my word to fit you. You need to change yourself to fit my word. So. Yeah. Oh, that, that's beautifully expressed. Um, and I think you captured well just the whole purpose of this introduction from Christ. He's saying from the outset where he stands to show that these tolerant uh, believers were not standing on the same ground as him. Right. So, but he does commend them for some things they were doing right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Verse 19, he, where he says, 
I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. And, and so, uh, well, unlike Ephesus, it seems like Thyatira was really good with the love <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. portion of, of their work. But, it, it, you know, this sounds good when you read this verse and don't take any other verses into context here. You'd be like, man, you go Thyatira. Uh, you know, you're, you're doing good, but they seem yeah, to have yeah. tolerance and they seem to have patience. Um, and uh, they, they were serving. Uh, they seem to be faithful in a lot of mm -hmm. areas, but overall, you know, that, that isn't what cuts it in the end uh, as we'll see as we continue to read on. But it's almost as if when you read what they're doing, and I commend you for this. In fact, he's not even necessarily saying I commend you for this. Right. He just says he uh, knows. You know, he knows yeah. of it. And, and um, for for all that it matters, uh, when I go out and do something good, some people might think that my good is because I love Jesus and I'm trying to pour out the love of Jesus in their lives. But sometimes my good is pretty selfish. And yeah people mistake what I'm doing uh, quite often and, and not saying that I, you know, go out there and I'm just completely selfish and, and that anytime I go and help someone out, it's because I want to pat on the back or anything. But there have been times where I've done something and then someone says, you know, I, I see the love of Jesus pouring out of you. And I'm like, y you see that, but man, my heart really isn't pouring out the love of Jesus mm -hmm. at this moment. I'm just kind of going through the motions and doing what, what I think is going to be best for me at some points. And I think that's something we have to look at as Christians as well. What, what, what is fueling our works? What is fueling our love, our service, our faith? What, what's giving us patience? Uh, and, and, you know, like hunting has nothing to do with, <clears throat> with God really. But, you know, you can sit there and have your prayer time and talk to him, but hunting is, purely selfish uh it's it's either selfish in the sense of you're out there for a trophy hunt and you you want to bag a big buck or it's selfish in a sense that you want to eat it's not a bad selfishness it's just you know it's based on what your desire is yeah uh and because i either want to bag a big buck or i want to eat a good meal i can be very patient I can put a lot of effort in and it has nothing to do with God at that moment, but everything to do with me satisfying my desires at that moment. And we can do that in a lot of different things. It's not just, you know, in that hunting analogy, but when you go over to someone's house because someone says they need help, are you going over there because God led you there and he wants to pour out his love through you? Or are you going over there because you get some, some, you know, good gold stars with that person and it looks good on you and you can put it down on a resume that I helped out this person and that person uh, throughout the time. And I did a lot of a lot of house calls and things like that. And, and so when we really read all of what's going on in Thyatira, it almost seems as if this right here is more of a going through the motions. Yeah. I don't know. Would you agree with that or do you have a different yeah. idea? I think you're on to it for sure. You know, it, it's kind of like, 
in the context of this letter, these words might almost be like ambiguous, like, um, you know, I know your love, your faith, your service, patient endurance, but we might be able to put um, air quotes around that, you know, right? I didn't think so called love, you know, your so called patient endurance, your, you know, so called um, excessive works, because like, really, as you go later, their love wasn't really true because uh-huh. they were tolerating yeah. evil. Uh, they were patiently enduring evil in the wrong way, right. you know, and uh, they were going a little further than some churches had. So in that sense, their latter work right. succeeded the first, you know? Right. Yeah. Like when I explained to my wife that I changed so many diapers and then she says, Oh yeah, you changed so many diapers. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah sort of a, like a double entendre almost. Like, uh, you know, it could be that he is commending them for a couple of good things they were doing. But, I mean, honestly, in the context, um, it's like, oh, I don't know. Um, and, you know, and that's something uh, good for us to consider, kind of like you were saying, is, um, you know, this – this goes to the heart of what was going on here, their motivations and such. Um, what was motivating them to uh, do this and that, which we'll get into um, mm-hmm. here momentarily. Right. Yeah. And, and so, so let's break this down then on, on the three levels. First on the, the individual level uh, and looking at the, the works, the love, the service, the faith, the, the tolerance and that patience there. Um, so, so as an individual, how often can someone see our works, love, service, faith, and our tolerance and patience, and it truly be fueled by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, rather than our own selfish ambition? How often hmm. should we take a look at at what we're doing and why we're doing it? Yeah, that's a really good question because, I mean, the reality is that we can do good things with the wrong motivations mm-hmm. and it almost just cancels out what we've done or what we're trying to do. I mean, right. God still uses our imperfections, but I mean, he makes pretty clear in the scripture that he cares about motivation, you know, mm-hmm. right. like um, there's all those passages in the old Testament about God saying, don't bring me another offering. You know, he said, mm-hmm. would that you would close the doors of the temple uh, he's like, I, I prefer that the whole thing shut down than, than you bring me another offering with the wrong kind of heart, right. the wrong kind of motivation. And yeah. so as much as our good works matter, the heart that motivates them matters to God all the much more. And, you know, speaking on a personal level, we always need to be wary of that. Right. Yeah. Now, I agree. Yeah. We, we got to be weary about that. And then, and then we got to look at our local churches too, not just individually. Individual is important in your personal time and how you share Christ, but locally in our local churches that we serve in, I, I think we need to really focus and make sure that what's fueling our church's service to the communities around us, to the people around us is not our own desires and selfish ambitions, mm. but that it's, uh, the leading of the Holy spirit. And, and so often I said this, I just preached a revival <laughs> and I said something, maybe this will get me kicked out of all churches here soon. 
uh, as I say this on here, but I hate business meetings so much uh, because when we get into business meetings, they're, they're important. We have to discuss business, right? Mm-hmm. But when we get into business meetings, sometimes it's really hard because we have to come to a conclusion. Why do we want to do what we're talking about? Is this something that God is leading our church to or is someone is that their desire? Is that what they yeah. want to see happen? And how right. often has that been found out when when people aren't happy with what happened at a business meeting? And instead right. of, of going along with what, you know, the church prayed about and, and determined was the will of God, uh, they pack up their bags and leave and or or they cause a fuss over it. Well, I didn't agree with that. I don't like that. And, and yeah. so um but but that's one of the the hard parts, especially with the business meeting, because, uh, you know, how how do we get to that point of determining what is our desire and what is the will of God? Do you, do you got an answer for that? Maybe. Well, I think the business meeting picture is like um is really pertinent to this because you know that can be. And it is a lot of times dangerous ground for um, trying to obtain our selfish ambitions in the name of doing the will of God. Like just because it's a business meeting in a church does not mean that, you know, every motion that's made or every desire that is expressed is going to be biblical. Right. Um, And so that's kind of a you know, a glowing indictment of all of us, we really do have to look inward in our heart mm-hmm. because we, we got to make sure our motivation is right, that we're doing the will of God according to the word of God. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if none of us are immune from that in a church business meeting, then, I mean, we really do have a heart problem, if we're being honest. Yeah, so yeah, definitely. And, and how would you say you think the uh, global church is, is doing on this front? Do you think... That when we uh, show these these works, this love, the service, the faith, the tolerance, uh, and patience, uh, do you feel that the global church is, is really doing that fueled by Christ? Or, or does it seem like maybe the, the church is going through the motions at the moment? Yeah, that's a good uh, observation for us to make. I mean... There will always be God's true churches out there, the true sheep who are exceeding in love, faith, service, patient endurance, and making progress in their faith. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that we see so often, especially in our own nation as well as globally, is once again, many of our churches have these qualities in spades, but they're they're in air quotations, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like one of the things going on in our national landscape is so many churches are doing ministry in the name of love, but the love they're practicing is really not love at all where they just admit false teachers, where there's never any loving confrontation of evil, where there's no stand upon biblical truth. You know, they might say that they're exceeding in love, but Christ wouldn't. Um, And, you know, speaking of works generally, um, there's so many works that are done by churches globally, like goodwill works, such as digging wells for the thirsty and feeding the hungry and all these kind of things. And those are so good and commendable. 
I mean, mm-hmm. we are called to do that, but it's, it's such an often experience that um, churches that place a high priority on those physical works like that don't mm-hmm. prioritize spiritual works with the same amount yeah. of fervency. You know, like it doesn't take no effort to raise money to build a well, but it yeah. takes a lot of effort to, you know, encourage the members to live holy. And we yeah. ought to emphasize both. You know, physical yeah. works out there are important. Jesus talks about, uh, you know, to the least of these, you know, that you did good work for, you did to me, like feeding and clothing and all that kind of stuff. But, right. I mean, holiness and our spiritual life matters just as much. Yeah. Well, and, and I think I've seen over the past several years a great zeal, a, a, a great compassion for God, but a misguided compassion, just yeah. kind of like what Paul talked about in the book of Romans. And I see like, especially with the younger generations, that's my generation included, our generation included right here. Um, this, this tolerance of all of the world around us. Yeah. It's like, yeah, whatever y'all do, whatever. It's cool. I'm going to stand over here and sing some Jesus songs real quick which I love mm-hmm. singing. I think singing is a very important part of worship. I love hymns. I love contemporary music. Uh, you know, I don't have, I don't see anything wrong with, with either of them, but overall it seems that, you know, the global church or at least our national church uh, mm-hmm. overall seems to be excelling and showing a love like a, compassion or, or not compassion, but a, a passion for Christ, but they sing about him. They, they dance for him. They, they talk about him in, in those songs and around the songs and between the songs. But then when it comes to living for him, it, it seems to be completely different yeah. overall. And, and, you know, I, I see this at camp uh, every year. Uh, we, we sing songs and, and we sing the contemporary songs at camp with the kids. And uh, that that seems to be the bigger part of worship, which is an important part of worship. But the bigger part of worship should be focused on the word of God and how we should apply it to our lives and, and testifying of what God is doing in our lives or leading us to do rather than, you know, the, the feel good songs for three hours and then 10 minutes of the word and then another hour of songs to follow that up. And I'm exaggerating here just, you know, to, to show the point that I'm trying to make. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a lot of people might think that that's all God desires is a song. Yeah. Uh, Right. But I like the heart of worship, that song, you know, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where uh, a, a song in itself is not what you have required uh, is is a big line in yeah, that, and exactly. in the fact that after the singing is done, that you're going to live for Christ and you're going to study His Word, apply His Word to your life, mm-hmm. uh, and so I feel like I've seen a lot of local churches, you know, really are fueled by Christ, but it almost seems like the church of the United States uh, has, has kind of faltered into this, uh, you know, 
Facebook post of we're in a relationship with Jesus. And, <laughs> yeah. and you it know, it goes no further than that. Really. And it goes no further than that. It's, it's all on the Facebook feed, but there's not a relationship when yeah. the, the feed stops scrolling. Yeah. You know? And that's yeah. again, such a good point. I mean, this is a big, broad topic that we need to reckon with that even Jesus talks about in the gospels where, you know, in his, for example, in his glowing indictment of the Pharisees, he says, you know, Isaiah spoke well of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is mm-hmm. far from me. And <laughs> it is, yeah, that's a that's a rough one, you know, yeah. um, maybe even more rough than what he says to the thigh tyrants here. But, you know, the thing is, here, here's what here's what makes me tremble. OK, in this passage, Jesus is not talking to the world. Mm hmm. He's talking to believers, man. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, you know, we might like, kind of like going back to Jonah, we might point our fingers at him or point our fingers at the church of Thyatira. But, uh, man, we got to point them at ourselves because all believers can be guilty of this yeah. lip service yeah. where our heart is far from Christ, where we can exceed in these works that seem to be so good on the surface level, but deep inside we can be tolerating mm-hmm. evil to the degree that these thigh tyrants were. Yep. Now, of course, if we continue to do that and, you know, we have no change of heart about us, then we might not really know Christ at all. Yeah. But I think we're safe uh, in saying that the majority of this church uh, or maybe the minority, but whatever the case is, there were some believers, you know, among right. this congregation that Jesus was talking to here. And that just tells us that all of us can be guilty of this and none of us are immune from falling into this sin of lip service. Yeah. And, and so let's take a moment then and, and really ponder this. Uh, and, and just if you're listening to the Faith 168 podcast right now, I want I want you to think about the things you do for the cause of Christ or or what we say is the cause of Christ sometimes and and ask yourself this serious question because whenever we think that we're the greatest and that we're not fallible and and we're just the best Christian and that God couldn't continue on without us, which is how we act sometimes every single one of us uh, have acted that way at points and will act that way at some point. Think about what is fueling your faith. What is yeah. fueling your works? What's fueling your service uh, right now here in this world? Um, and, and even ask yourself, why are you listening to this even? Because, you know, part of growing in our faith uh, and, and uh, working on our faith, we listen to things. And and I want you to know this, if you're listening to the Faith 168 podcast right now so that you can check off a box and say, I listen to a podcast about you, Jesus. Uh, my service is done, (laughs) then you're going to get nothing from what we're saying because we need to go to the heart of the matter. And that is, what is fueling our heart? And so think about that for a moment. Think about the things you've done this week that you've proclaimed in the name of Jesus or someone said that they, you know, know, I I see your faith showing here. Uh, Is your faith showing because... Jesus has called you to do something and you're being faithfully obedient or are you just going through the motions? Because yeah. as, as you said, brother Brandon, Jesus sees right into our heart. 
Yeah. The world might even see the love of Christ as we do things selfishly in, in the sense that we're doing things by his word, you know, going through the motions and, and, you know, just like working in a factory, you go through the motions half the time. You don't even know what you're doing, but you're making a car uh, and, and someone's going to drive that car. Even if you didn't put it near as much care into it as you went through the motions as you did when you first started. But you know what? I, you know, I, Jesus sees why we do things. Yeah. And that's important. That's the bottom line, you know. And, and that's why we have to ask ourselves why are we doing this? Why do I do a podcast every week? I have to ask myself that sometimes before I get on the podcast because, you know, I like doing a podcast. Um, am I doing this podcast for me or am I doing it for Jesus? Because you might hear it and get good things out of it, even if I'm doing it for myself. But if I'm doing it for myself, I'm doing it for the wrong reason. Yeah, So, right. Always got to check that motivation, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, like you like you were saying, I think you summarized it well. It's not, you know, God does care about what we do, but he cares even more about why we do it. Mm -hmm. And that was sort of the key issue here with the thigh tyrants. And this is a wake-up call to us, a warning letter that we can be guilty of the same thing, that we need to make sure we're watching both what we do and why we do it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I enjoyed talking to you, Brother Rob, or not Brother Rob. <laughs> Don't insult me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've got so much more hair on the top of your head than Brother Rob does. <laughs> it's wearing but, out quick, though. Yeah, <laughs> Brother Brandon, it was it was good talking to you tonight and in discussing this with you. And I think uh, we're going to conclude it right here, and then we'll pick up in verse twenty next time we do this study, continuing in the seven letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. But again, I want to encourage you all to take a long look in the mirror and ask yourself why you do the things that you do for Jesus. Are you fueled by the Holy Spirit or are you fueled by selfish ambition and your evil desires? Because that's what James calls our desires, evil desires. Right. Uh, so, so ask yourself that question, but we're so glad that you tuned into the Faith 168 podcast. Brother Brandon, as always, it was a pleasure to record another episode with you. So if you will, just go ahead and end this in prayer tonight. Sure. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is truth. We know, Lord, sometimes the truth hurts to receive. It might be a bitter pill to swallow, but we rejoice in knowing that the truth sets us free. So thank you for telling us the truth, and Lord, we just pray we might live in accordance with it, that we would always check our motivations and our heart so that uh, our heart can be as holy as our outward conduct. And we pray you might bless all of our listeners, help them, and help all of us to live faithfully for Christ 168 hours a week. And we pray and ask these things in the name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Faith 168 Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review on whatever streaming platform you are using. If you have a prayer request or have a topic that you would like us to cover, message us on the Faith 168 Podcast Facebook page, and we will see you in 168 hours.